0: Michael Smith. It's episode thirty-two of the Canes Cast, so you know what that means. What's that? We've got a lot of hockey to talk about.
1: And winter isn't over yet because uh, when we fly
0: to Minnesota today, it's going to be uh, snowy. Is yes, what I hear. Very much so. And if you listen to this podcast, episode thirty-two of the Canes Cast into the wild. See, because we're going to Minnesota. Yeah. You like First that of all, thank you for listening. If you listen, always appreciate that. Second, um, it's gonna snow there a lot. Yeah. It it still happens. I brought but a coat. If you're if you're listening like on Wednesday, we were in Minnesota and there was snow. Yes. So lots can, of it, sure, allegedly. Like, I feel like we should do like the choose your own adventure sometimes because <laughs> of when we record the podcast. Yeah. And like, all right, if you're not listening on Monday, uh, skip ahead a minute and a half and pick up right there as we're right. talking <laughs> about all the details that are yeah, here. Yeah, I guess we kind of
1: sometimes date ourselves really quickly because we talk about games that are upcoming and then they and then they happen because that's how time works. Yeah, it, I dated myself frequently forward.
0: and then I got confidence. So, <laughs> so you like that one? Yeah, I that wasn't was sure one. that you were going to go there. All right, well, let's get to the important things for the Carolina Hurricanes where it looked like things were on shaky ground. All of a sudden the Hurricanes got to their game, as Bill Peters likes to say the last four games they are 2-1 one, and 1 with two big wins over the Philadelphia Flyers on the road the New Jer- the New Jersey Devils at PNC Arena they get a tough overtime loss in Boston where they were up three to one. I thought they were the better team for the majority of the game against the Bruins. And then talk about a hard luck loss that happens against the Winnipeg jets, Patrick line, really good at hockey and shooting the hockey puck at the goalie. His, uh,
1: his release reminds me a lot of Ovechkin and he likes to set up shop at the top of the circle on the power play there. Just like you've seen Ovechkin do all these years he's really good.
0: Well, you know what he does that great goal scorers do? He finds the open areas in the ice. It's not just camping out at the ring and beaver tailing his his stick, hoping to get the puck. He does move around without it. Uh, The one power play that they had, there was a a backdoor passing play and he hits the, the crossbar and you're like, how does that happen? How does he get that open? He finds those open areas in the ice. So yeah, that's great. But this is the Canes cast and we can talk about a Canes player who's finding those spots, getting to the open areas, and now getting the puck luck. That's Tavo Taravainen. He has been a streaky scorer his whole career. We saw it last year, his first year with Carolina. This year in the goal scoring department, truly streaky. You know, He goes four games with five goals, then he can go 12 games with two goals, but this is a guy who right now leading the Hurricanes in points, and it couldn't come in a better time for him to break out and be that player And the one thing that he is doing, and Bill Peters mentioned it in the postgame press conference, he's going to those places you have to get to to score goals. His compete level is where they want it to be. And it's going to have to be that way for, if you're tuning in right now, before they play the Minnesota Wild, the remaining 16 games of the season.
1: Yeah, and I think part of his streakiness, aside from Jeff Skinner's streaky, just from the fact that goal scorers tend to You score in bunches. They really do. Uh, But Tevo Teravainen, I think, thinks of himself more as a playmaker first rather than a scorer coaching staff has been encouraging him to shoot more and he's done that this season uh, he's got career highs all over all across the board in goals assists, points um, it's been a, a, a great year for for Tara Vinen and, uh, and I asked Bill Peters up in I believe it was Philadelphia um, you know what has led to uh, a career season for him uh, he kind of joked and said you know he, well he hadn't been in the the league long so it's it's just a, a reflection of his young age but I think it's also uh, a reflection of of his development process and what you're seeing is a young player who's gotten better every single season I just a quick look at his stats uh, in his first full season he tallied 35 points and then it was 42 in his first season with the Hurricanes last year and now it's fifty-two. So he's he's got this steady progression of, and he's going to go well past fifty-two. Yeah, and and that leads the team currently right now to him and Sebastian Ajo sort of uh, competing one-two for the uh, the team lead in scoring. But what you're seeing is a is a young player really realizing his potential, realizing what he has to do to to be successful in this league. This is the young player that the Hurricanes traded for, without a doubt. Uh, Teravinen has got a lot of skill, and in the last week, two weeks, uh, he's shown just how consistent of a threat he can be offensively.
0: Well, let's go back to Jeff Skinner, though. This is another key for this team because offense is hard to come by for the Hurricanes at times, and then offense this time of year becomes even harder because – When you're playing teams that are in the playoff chase, it is a playoff hockey game. I mean, that was the feeling that I had against New Jersey. It's the feeling the other night against Winnipeg because they're in the thick of the playoff chase out west and in the central trying to catch the Nashville Predators. Games just get tighter. So errors seem to be magnified, and goal scorers doing their thing becomes important. Jeff Skinner had a good game against the Winnipeg Jets. He just couldn't find a way to buy a goal uh, against that team. How important is it in your mind to get him going? And I asked him after the game, is the team playing at their their best level or is there another place to get to? And he said everybody has another level to get to this time of year, and you have to do it if you want to get in. So how does Jeff Skinner get there, Michael? You watch it a lot. I I think right now he just needs to see the puck go in the net. Yeah, it's one of those
1: situations, maybe comparable to Sebastian Aho earlier in the year where it wasn't for a lack of chances. You know, yeah. Jeff Skinner's still getting his shots uh, five, six a game, uh, the puck's just not going in right now and maybe it's just a matter of seeing that one hit the net uh, that'll just kind of uh, open up the floodgates for him and and then he'll start scoring in bunches like we're all used to him all used to him doing it, you know the coaching staff is is still trusting him in those in those high pressure situations you saw him out on the ice last night with the the goaltender pulled Sunday night that yeah. is uh, with the goaltender pulled the extra attacker on Jeff Skinner was on the ice because they needed a goal. He's been utilized in in overtime, so it's not for a lack of chances. It's not for a lack of compete. I think it's just simply that the puck isn't going in the net right now, Um, but as you mentioned and as Jeff Skinner mentioned, too, for the Hurricanes to go on a run like they're they're going to need to put together here in the last 16 games of the season, they're going to need the Jeff Skinners to score. They're going to need the Sebastiano's, Tevo Teravine, and... All of these guys who we know can contribute, they're going to need to contribute because uh, offense is important. Uh, Bill Peters likes to say it's a race to three. Winnipeg won that race last night. The Hurricanes in the three games prior were able to get to that three-goal mark, um, but last night they weren't able to find that third, and and contributions from a guy like Jeff Skinner would certainly go a long way.
0: Yeah, they need that, and, and then you also need to get the, and here's the Chuck Caton word of the day. Crowd noise only. Wow the tertiary scoring oh I like that word yeah you've got to get everybody looks at you know first and second lines or those players you need to get the the odd goal from the third line the fourth line and here's the thing about hockey now nobody numbers lines anymore we talk to coaches all the time and when somebody goes to your first line and a coach will go who's that and yeah it's you know, more it's more about who's on the line yeah, than it's, the it's, number of the exactly line, sure. but this is where and, and we're going to go by the numbers for the people out there any line that's being centered by Lucas Walmark right now, and Lucas Walmark, by the way, has been centering for Jeff Skinner, but any line like that, uh, the line where Victor Rask moves out to the wing. And speaking of Victor Rask, getting Victor Rask and Elias Lindholm going in the points department, those that's what I mean when I say tertiary scoring. And Get Elias, those guys chipping in.
1: Uh, about Elias Lindholm, he's been good in the middle Maybe. recently. I with, like him in the middle. Yeah, I like Tahoe and Teravine, and those are thrill uh, – th- excuse me, I just combined three and skilled – Three incredibly skilled forwards. Um, well, thrilled is a word. So. It is true, yes, but it's not the word I was. I didn't. I for.
0: didn't. I just didn't want you to think that you invented a word no, that's no, no. been out there.
1: So <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's been used once or twice. Um, but yeah, that's a line that features a couple guys really who could play center. Sebastian Ajo, Yep. I know the team wants to maybe explore using him at center down the stretch. Hasn't happened yet because Elias Lindholm has been so good in the middle. He's also good in the dot. Um, uh, but uh, that's been a good line for the Hurricanes, and it's it's good to see really that pair of Ajo and Taravainen. Whether they have Jordan Stahl in the middle yeah. or Elias Lindholm in the middle, their chemistry hasn't gone anywhere. They've they've shown incredible chemistry. I think it, really you saw it on the on the goal last night, Taravainen's goal last night. Uh, a little cycle play, Ajo lays it off to Taravainen. He throws it to the front of the net where I think Ajo was circling back behind the net. Jordan stalls. They're jockeying for position in front of the net. The puck bounces off. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov and into the net so uh, their chemistry hasn't gone anywhere no matter which center they're playing with Uh, and that's a good sign for the the two finish forwards
0: that are uh, very talented and you mentioned Jordan Stahl and it's very warranted to bring up what he brings to this team and again uh, with what he is going through off of the ice our our hearts again go out to Jordan and his family but Jordan Stahl this year 15 goals 22 assists 37 points and I'm not going to go off on a rant here about expectations that people, fans, media have on players, but Jordan Stahl to me, and I think that this was a prime example of it, the three games without Jordan Stahl on the ice versus the next three games we saw with Jordan Stahl on the ice. He is one of those guys, Michael. I don't think he's ever going to be a stat stuffer. You know, I don't think that this is a guy who's going to go out there and score 50 goals in a season
1: yeah aside from faceoff percentage which he you know oh he dominates dominates every year
0: but Jordan Stahl is one of those players and stop me if this sounds weird I'm not doing the if you like it right just this is just stop me if this sounds weird you notice Jordan Stahl's impact on a game when he's not in the game oh yeah all the little things he does the big shifts that he takes against the opponent's number one line the faceoffs he takes be it on the power play or a penalty kill, just you—you you need to throw him out there to, to close out a game. You know it's a minute and a half left to go, and you're you're defending your net. He's out there playing the the ninety seconds. You know he is a horse. He is a guy who this team needs. They rally around. It's a reason why he's the co-captain, and it's how he carries himself on the ice and the way he plays the game. He doesn't cheat the game, folks. He just doesn't. He plays hard every night, and for some people. It's hard to see it if you don't have the, the super stat in front of you, which is goals, assists, points. And then it's also hard to quantify it because in my mind, you know, when we go advanced metrics, you can look at him and say, wow, he does this, his ice time is that, his puck possession is that. But it's really hard to, to grasp, well, how does that help a team win? Take him away. Take his 19 minutes a game away. Take his 75%, and I'm just going to throw that out there every night in the faceoff circle. He's around that. Throw that out. Throw the penalty kill out. He is one of these players who his value exceeds the numbers that we can read. And you know, the Canes don't have a lot of six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound guys who they can throw out there and lean on the other team. And
1: that's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He leans on the opposition quite a bit. And the Hurricanes don't have many players that can truly lean on people, and uh, really just manhandle them with their brute strength. And Jordan Stahl can do that. And I think you saw it here the other night against New Jersey where he outworked the opposition there below the goal line, yeah. um, was able to get the puck up uh, to the defense for a shot that, that ended up leading to a goal. Uh, or maybe that was in Philadelphia. I think it was in Philadelphia because yeah, he was yeah. with uh, red Kagudis, who's also a strong man. Yes. So um, you know Jordan Stahl's ability to to accept that kind of punishment and then also be effective is is certainly something to to remark and and you do notice that when he's not with the team because the Hurricanes without Jordan Stahl down the middle their depth changes entirely um, and I thought for not having Jordan Stahl in Boston the Hurricanes played an excellent game an excellent game yeah they in did which they were able to get a point and that's that's very commendable but then Having Jordan stall back just shores up so much of those of the shortcomings that you're left with when he's not in the lineup. Um, the ability to use him really in all situations, five on five, uh, penalty kill, power play. He's a guy who you throw over the boards at any point if you need a crucial faceoff. win, he's the guy, and then you see him last night come through the Sunday night, come through in the clutch with a with a goal to to get the Hurricanes back within one in the last five minutes of the game. So. He's an incredibly important player both on and off the ice for the Hurricanes, and, and it's it's something you you might take for granted on most nights what he brings to the ice, but then when he's not there, that's when you really notice how much of an impact player yeah, he
0: is. Absolutely. Or, or as Chuck Caton would say. Absolutely. Crowd noise only. Thank you very much. Now, as the team goes, Michael, I like where the game's at after the trade deadline because remember last week, it was episode 31 up in the air, or Trade Central, or t- Trade santra and we might have had an episode 31.1 in addendum. We didn't have to do that because the Hurricanes only made one deal, and it was a, technically – I don't want to say it was a minor league deal because Josh Juris can be an NHL player. Greg McHagg has played in the NHL for Pittsburgh, but those two players have been assigned to the AHL affiliates between the Canes and, and Pittsburgh. So we didn't do that extra one, but I think what has happened for this team, trade deadline comes and goes. And the pressure's off. And when I say the pressure's off, the pressure of, am I here? Am I being traded? Is the guy next to me being traded? If he's traded, what does that mean for me? And, again, these guys are human. They think about all of this stuff that goes into it. You'd like to say, well, they're professionals and they can do their job. And they do. And if you take a look, some of those losses were close games. Could have gone either way. Bounce here, bounce there. Some of those games, not so much. But for me, I really think post-trade deadline – and it happens around the league for teams that are you know, on that playoff bubble, once it's done, everybody exhales, and you can just get back to playing hockey, being relaxed, not worrying about moving, moving my family, where am I going to be next? So I think that that's something that we've definitely seen out of this team post-trade deadline that they just kind of relaxed again and got back to playing hockey, and plus, that's the group.
1: Right, that's what I was going to say. They realized that that's the group they had, uh, and it was a group at the beginning of the season that – um, I think most uh, most, I guess, if you want to call them pundits, uh, considered a bubble team. And that's exactly yeah. where the Hurricanes are uh, at this point in the season. They're on the bubble in the Eastern Conference. Um, but it's a group that within the locker room believes they can make the postseason. So uh, at the trade deadline, the Hurricanes, as you mentioned, uh, just made that one minor league deal um, uh, dealing Josh Juris to, to Pittsburgh for Greg McKegg, both of which are now in the, the American Hockey League. Uh, But this is the group they have. This is the group that's now going to finish out the 16 games uh, left in the regular season, and we'll see how far they can get. It's a group that believes they can be successful and I think has proved at times throughout the season that they can be successful. Um, But, you know, I feel like we repeat ourselves sometimes on this podcast, but that's just the way it's been each year or this year is that this team hasn't been consistent enough. It's, It's a couple steps forward, a couple steps back. Uh, And the team knows that that that's not going to be acceptable down the stretch. The team knows that it needs a run and a pretty significant run at this point uh, in order to to hop into that wild card position and then stay there. Because right now it's a matter of of, you know, jumping in for maybe a, a day or two and then jumping out once Florida or Columbus plays and and that's the way it's going to be until this team can can really just get on a, a a prolonged winning streak.
0: That's the league though. If you're not in the top 3 in your division, right. Every night it's going to change it's because a everybody's within 3 points of each other. And that's what the NHL wanted. That's what they want with the wild card and the expanded playoffs and and the one point for overtime loss. So the the 3-point games create some of this. Uh, parody and, and speak for yourself for being repetitive. I'd like to think all of my material is new and fresh. Well, it's re- it's repetitive in the sense that um, no, and speak for yourself <laughs> about being repetitive. I'd like to think that all my ma- oh okay, uh, but I wanted to I wanted to do this. I see what you did. Thank there. you very much because look, we've done 32 episodes of these. We are going to, and in the course of the season, when you cover oh, yeah. the same team, things are going to. That we point out going to be obvious, but we still have to point them out. Yeah. So, and it's going
1: to be rehashed too at the end of the season when you, when people talk to these players and they, they ask, you know, what went wrong? How can this team get over the hump next the year? Word the word is answer, consistency. Right, the answer is going to be consistency and and prolonging the winning streaks and and not going on these extended losing streaks, especially when you're playing games at home or games against
0: divisional teams. All right, we've done this a few times on the podcast, and I feel I have to do this again. Want me to be real about this? Be real. You want me to be real? Be real, real. All right. Here's the problem with Carolina Hurricanes when we talk about consistency. And it's also an NHL deal for the bubble teams. The Carolina Hurricanes are as capable of any team in this league of ripping off five wins in a row. They're capable. They are also capable of losing five games in a row because when they go gold on the scoring front, when their power player penalty kill is off a little bit, the margin for error for the Carolina Hurricanes is not as great as the margin of error for the Nashville Predators or even that Winnipeg Jets team who we saw last night, who, by the way, was not a playoff team last year, or the Tampa Bay Lightning. And those are, those are the elite teams now. I mean, there used to be like eight teams like that in the NHL. Now there's four or five, and I've named three of them. Vegas, I don't think their margin of error is that big. They just don't make a lot of errors right now when we're talking about the top teams. But that's it with the Canes. The margin of error is small, son. Wow. That got
1: really Sorry, real real. Sorry, I got, got a little got a little No, that was great for the, for the people watching on the video portion of the podcast. That <laughs> Maybe exist. we do actually have
0: to do a video podcast <laughs> for this one. Maybe somewhere. But, I don't know. But tell me, tell me that anything I just said there is no, incorrect about yeah. the team because that's – That's That's, it. That's completely accurate, and
1: mistakes get magnified. Yes. Mistakes get magnified even when it's a a simple mistake of a turnover because every team's going to turn over the puck at some point. Yes. Um, But it seems sometimes with the Hurricanes that uh, turnovers lead to to bad things.
0: Well, they lead to not just a scoring chance but a great A chance. Go back to Boston. Rick Nash's goal. Canes are exiting the zone, and there's a turnover, and now it's Rick Nash one-on-one with Scott Darling. That becomes a 50-50 play. And honestly, in Rick Nash's career, probably 60-40 in his favor. Yeah, he's got a better chance of scoring really
1: against any goalie. Yeah. uh, One-on-one.
0: But that's – I mean, that's just it. And and people ask us all the time. They ask Michael. They ask me. Uh, By the way, he is the Webbs, Michael Smith. We just got to that.
1: Who apparently – I look like Phil Kessel a little bit. Someone shouted that (laughs) out last (laughs) night. No,
0: and no. I wish I had – You're about a foot smaller Okay. and – you're not as robust (laughs) well i wish i had his bank account
1: and his uh stanley cup rings
0: see i think you look like thomas Vanek, although as you said you've cut your hair since you lost your shaggy locks not so much yeah
1: and all really the shaggy locks were doing was hiding the fact that i didn't have hair up top Uh, we'll get to that later (laughs) on uh forgot where we were going with that where were we uh, oh, um, no, I don't remember either. All right.
0: Well, let's go to something new. All right, we can do that. Uh, let's it look at it. By the way, must not have been that must good not of have a, been point not a point <laughs> if we're uh, moving on for something else. But, I mean, it just I'll just wrap up the, as far as the mistakes go and how they get magnified for the Carolina Hurricanes and leading to grade A chances. Those seem to go in the back of the net, and that's a tough thing for any team to try to overcome. Canes have to find a way to limit those turnovers these last 16 games they have and, to do it
1: and i guess one more thing is uh this team and and probably a lot of teams around the league it's a tough league to play from behind and so when the hurricanes get down one nothing just five six minutes into the game on sunday night against a winnipeg team that's going to be pretty stingy yeah is going to be heavy in front of their net that it makes it tough and the hurricanes did fight um really until the final horn they had chances they just couldn't connect but the scoring first is incredibly important. The yep. Hurricanes have uh, great—I don't know um, the exact numbers, but I know the Hurricanes have great success, great success uh, when they
0: score first, and not so much when they don't. So I actually just looked that up uh, today. The number I think—it's pretty staggering. No, I and think f- it's like twenty-four, eight and five, or twenty-four, five and eight. I will look that up. And for, for right Winnipeg, and uh, while you look that up for Winnipeg
1: too, the numbers are pretty impressive when they score first. Um, you know, they pretty much lock it down, and, and that's a victory. So uh, scoring first and scoring often you lock it up, is important for, uh, for the Hurricanes and really just around the National Hockey League because it is a tough league uh, to play from behind, especially when you're – because when you start to chase the game, as, as Bill Peters likes to say, um, you get out of your habits, you get out of your good things, and you start to
0: try to, um, you know, make up for, for lost ground. When scoring first, the Carolina Hurricanes, as of Monday, recording of episode 32 of the Canes cast, Into the Wild and Sweet Home Chicago, the Carolina Hurricanes, 23-8-5. and 5. When the opponent scores first, 5-17-6. And, and that doesn't include last night, so let me update that. 5-18-6. Yeah, 5 so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and, and to me. That stat is insane because the first goal of the game can come a minute into the game. Sure, so it can come a minute into the game. It can come midway through the second
1: period. On well, that you know, becomes something.
0: a little different in my mind. Like if you got to score the game, you have, yeah.
1: then you have less time. But it's it's uh, I it's it's a it's a stat that has proven to be important for the Hurricanes this season. Getting on the board first, and uh, they just weren't able to do that
0: on Sunday night against Winnipeg. All right, my friend. Time for us to. Incur Ron Burgundy, a.k.a. Will Ferrell. It's the same person Will Ferrell played him in the movie. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Which leads us to the wild card and the playoffs. Everybody's looking at this right now. Where the Carolina Hurricanes stand, they stand two points out of the final playoff spot, chasing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Good news, though, they do have a chance of catching the New Jersey Devils cuz they're only 5 points behind New Jersey for the top wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Carolina Hurricanes have 69 points. Nice. Nice. But I think it's going to take 22 points minimum to get in. So So that puts the Hurricanes at 91 if yes. my math is correct. Your math is correct. <laughs> 16 games left. 22 points. That's 11 and 5. I'm just going to put that out there. That's what they're going to need to do to make the playoffs. And that, I'm not even going to guarantee it because I'm not sure 91 gets you in. I'd feel a heck of a lot better at 92 or 93. And if people want to say, what's the difference between one point?
1: A lot. A lot in this league. Um, Uh, I'm going
0: to say that. I'm just going to put it out there. Eleven wins. What did we say? Ninety-one. Twenty-two yeah. points. Currently, that's
1: about the pace that Florida's playing at. They've got seventy points in sixty-three games, so that puts them at just a hair above ninety-one points. And they're hot right now. They won all six games of their homestand. They're eight-two zero in their last ten. Um, they kind of surged when nobody was really watching, and. Uh, they had a wild card spot briefly yesterday until Columbus won. Again, that's yeah. that's the whole thing we talk about. about uh, it changes
0: by the minute it in does. this league now. It
1: really does. Um, but, you know, 91 points might do it. 92 points probably does it. 93 points, you're probably you – 93 gets it. you in. Um, uh, but the Hurricanes are going to have to uh, – they're going to need a run. They're going to need a run because, as you mentioned, that's what, 22 points to yep. 91, 23 points to 92, 16 games left. I mean – it's not impossible. No,
0: they control their own destiny, because, which is what I like about it. Right, and when you look at the schedule, it's not that tough. I like their the schedule. Stretch, yeah. I mean, I've I've started to look. New Jersey's got to go out west still and play yes. Vegas again, and those teams, that's not easy. Just ask Columbus. They only got one win, and they got it in San Jose. But yes. all right, the Canes have a tough stretch right now, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. This is another, if you if you like this, Mike, you can take, take it. If not, I'll send it break. Minnesota's going to be a tough game because of – Yes. Hart Trophy candidate Eric Stahl. Yeah. He's having an incredible year. He's got 34 goals now,
1: I believe. Yeah. Um, was an all-star. Just having a fantastic year, and it's it's great to see.
0: And I don't want to gloss over this, and this isn't part of the if you like it, you can take it, but uh, good for Eric Stahl. Yeah. Good to get his career back on track. It yep. wasn't a fit with the Rangers when he got traded. His head was spinning from that because you think about he thought Carolina was going to be his home forever. He goes to the Rangers, wasn't a fit, finds a home with Minnesota, and he's been playing outstanding hockey. And he's the not the leader of that team, which, by the way, I think is a good thing for him. He's one of the leaders, but I he doesn't so. have to be the guy. Yeah,
1: he's really thriving, and it's it's so good to see. Um, but as Jordan Stahl said on Sunday night, hopefully he doesn't play so well on
0: Tuesday. This is going to sound crazy. But of this three-game road swing that the Canes are going on as we are recording episode 32 of the Canes cast with the Web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. At Minnesota, at Chicago, at the Rangers, the game that I look at and go, oh, the win is at Chicago. You going to take that? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's the win. How crazy is that to say that, though, the last five years about the Chicago Blackhawks? Yeah. And Madison
1: Square Garden has just given the Hurricanes fits for whatever reason in the last, what, I don't know, two or three years. got to
0: walk up that tunnel.
1: That's that's probably what does it. I would agree. <laughs> um, all right, so you're taking that one. Yeah, I'll take that. Right, I feel I, good. The, I, they're gonna need the Hurricanes are gonna need to find uh, six points in Minnesota, Chicago,
0: New York available for the taking. The Hurricanes are gonna need four, four at least, or in their next four games where there's Boston at the end of that. Uh, by the way, schedule makers, thank you, back-to-back at Madison Square Garden and then Boston the next no night. No big deal. Uh, haven't checked if Boston is waiting or if they're playing a back-to-back. Quite My a guess few, would be a back-to-back. Quite a few back-to-backs ahead. Yeah. Um, those four games, that's eight points for the taking. Canes have to find five.
1: Yeah, because, again, and this is goes back to the, the margin of error that we were talking yeah. about, the margin of error slim on the ice and the margin of error now in the standings very slim because of – what the hurricanes need points wise and what's available left for the
0: take. I've got another, if you like it, take it, but I feel like I need to save it. Ooh, for what? Because it's when we get closer in the schedule. Oh, okay. Cause I've, I've made a prediction. I have texted it to you. This is called a tease for everybody who's listening on the (laughs) podcast about what's going to happen starting March 18th. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, So we'll save that one. You got one for
1: me? Um, No, but okay, good. Not surprised. (laughs) Well, these, these are our last two Western Conference cities that we're going to visit this season. Yes. Uh, what's been your favorite Western Conference city? Not really a like it or take it, just a, a, an open question about which Western Conference city you have enjoyed the most. Because last year, of course, you didn't yeah. get to see all of them. Uh, this year, of course, you visit all of them, plus the new addition of, of Vegas.
0: Well, Edmonton, where we learned to play squash. Oh, what that a was, time. That was, that was spectacular. I can't wait to go back. Felt, first <laughs> off, felt like we were there 10 years ago. As the season goes, uh, I think we were, and um, we were there for ten years too. It, it, it felt like that as well. I uh, had a had a pretty decent time in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd been there before though, not for hockey. I'd been there just and on not my for own. squash either. No, had I known, uh, <laughs> and not for that uh, Italian restaurant we found, which was tremendous, tremendous, fantastic. Yeah, which, uh, it was wonderful. Chicago's a good city. I like. Chicago. I love Chicago. We haven't been there yet. I love Chicago. I like Minneapolis, Saint Paul. Yep. Uh, especially in the summertime, that's a great city. It's just going to be cold Las Vegas. And snowy. Hopefully, I showed you some of the finer points of Las Vegas. Vegas certain, was wonderful. Certain yes. certain people have that. I'd go with that, and then uh, yeah, I, I'd probably go for me Vegas for where we've been. Vegas because I'm a Vegas guy, and had a good time in Anaheim. Mm, yeah, going to the well, beach well Southern the California,
1: yeah, the, all that amazing.
0: But it was really more. Eh, not nah, scratch Anaheim because there's not much to do in Anaheim per se. So let's just go to Los Angeles, okay? You know, where Michael Smith and I set up our worldwide headquarters, like Billy Bob Thornton and Goliath at Shea J. Yeah, what a place! Oh, legendary, legendary, Uncle Ron, if you're listening, we'll be there in a year, I think. Well, Michael will be there uh, sometime. Yeah.
1: No, we'll all be there. Okay, well, I like that. What um uh, are, are we done with the hockey? We're done with, with the, the hockey, so let's get to it. We, we've got one more thing we need to discuss. Let's get to we it. We teased it. Uh, we went to Philadelphia. Yep. You might have heard last week. The team, uh, the Hurricanes, got the big 4-1 win in Philadelphia. But the day before was an off day. And we don't have too many off days in Philadelphia usually because it's uh, not a far flight from Raleigh. So it's yeah. usually on a back-to-back or we fly in the night before. Never spend too much time there. But we had an off day, so we figured, you know what? Neither of us, and Pace Sagaster, who uh, who is the I don't media know his relations, title, and but he does media relations yeah. and team services. Yeah. Um, we decided we none of us had ever done the Pats versus Geno's, um, so we we tried. Yeah, i had them both. never
0: I had never done that, believe it yeah. or not. So
1: and we we we've all been to Philadelphia a few times, but we have never tried it. So we we said okay, let's do it. Let's uh let's grab an opinion so we can one talk about it on the podcast and to uh, inject ourselves into whatever debate there is whenever yep. it happens. So, uh, I think we pretty much agree on this, but your thoughts.
0: Well, I, let's be honest, we did not get the exact same cheesesteak at we didn't. each place. That would have been the
1: the more direct uh, comparison, but we did want to kind of sample the We did best one with of, we
0: oh. did one with provolone cheese and one with cheese whiz. Right. Now, the way to get a Philly cheesesteak in Philly is wit whiz. Wit means with onions and then cheese whiz. I don't dislike cheese whiz, but cheese whiz can be a very powerful flavor. It's strong. So, uh at Pats we had provolone, onions, mushrooms. At Gino's we had onions and cheese whiz. Yes. I leaned towards I liked I liked how it was prepared at Pats because they do the chopped and the you, the meat kind of spoke for itself, but Geno's I think was a better steak. But there was cheese was on it, and cheese was was the predominant taste that you had there. So honestly, they're both. If you're you know into that stuff and you want to go and say you do it, but let us save you the trip down there. Yeah, they're, really, they're good, but you can find better cheese steaks in Philadelphia. I I would say
1: if you you know if you put a gun to my head and said Pats or Geno's, I would say Geno's. I liked the roll there. See, I the roll th- was the same. You said that, I but the roll was the same to me. But I, I like the roll at Geno's. Um, I did like the way they chopped the steak at Pat's. Um, I feel like the provolone would have been good at Geno's because the cheese whiz was, there was a lot of cheese whiz. It was very cheesy. Uh, but the steak had better flavor, I think, than the Pat's steak did. Um, but really, the, the ultimate takeaway, I think, is uh, if you're going to choose one, go to Geno's. But... Honestly, just uh, don't go to either of them.
0: I am going to give you a recommendation. We didn't go to it, uh, but Jim's Steaks on South Street in Philly—that's where I've had—I've been to Philly a few times. That's where I've had my first Philly cheesesteak. That's the place to go to. It's a total, you know, touristy thing to do, and we—we we yeah, we did it for you. Now you don't right have to do it.
1: it. Yeah, just you know, skip it. Go yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> no, there's a,
0: Jim's on South Street. Yeah, I mean, I'm just—I'm telling you. Or what did our
1: Uber driver say? There was a good one in uh, just outside Waltham, of Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And thank you for that. But we're a little bit far away so, so from Massachusetts. Ever there, uh, By the way, out. our our Uber driver—he was chatty. Hustle and Flow, I believe, was made after him. <laughs> yeah. Just if you haven't seen that movie, Terrence Howard. Oh, movies. Did you watch uh, the Oscars? I did watch Saturday the night?
1: Oscars. Or what we could have watched after the uh, yeah after the hurricane? I mean, I,
0: I don't need to watch seven hours of Oscars. No. I just I honestly best actor. Best actress, best supporting actor and actress, best movie, best director. That's all I, know.
1: I guess. I'll see some of the movies now because uh, some other performances did look uh, pretty enticing.
0: Yeah, good
1: The right. Shape of Water looks like a weird movie.
0: Well, it's a Guillermo uh, it's, del Toro movie, yeah, exactly. So, and he won uh, Get Out won best original screenplay for Jordan Peele, which was great. Which, by the way, ton of great screenplays were up for nomination. Yes. Yeah, really good. Um, and then, other than that, my friend, I, I, I don't know. I didn't see The Shape of Water. But I've yep. seen Pan's Labyrinth. I'm trying to think of other Guillermo del Toro movies that I've seen. Hellboy. Pacific Rim. Hellboy 2. No, I haven't seen Pacific Rim. His movies are always a little weird. Yeah. And a little you know, weird, little sci-fi, basically, sci-fi little... Yeah. 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 Basically, The Shape of Water. He took one of the characters from Hellboy and had him fall in love with a woman who could not speak. Yeah. There's a fish, too, in there? That's the thing. Yeah, you know? there you go. That's what I'm saying. The Interesting. little mutant creature there. Uh, Frances McDormand winning Best Actress. Had a great speech, by the way, but Best Best Actress for three three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. She also won for when she did Fargo, right? Yeah. Okay. You betcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, you <laughs> you're welcome.
1: That's, uh, we're kind of headed there.
0: And uh, Gary Oldman won Best Actor for portraying Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. So, pretty good. And his speech went on for a long time. It did. It truly, truly
1: yeah. did. I, th- I think... <laughs> I saw a tweet that said, in memoriam, the entire audience during Gary Oldman's speech. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was, he's, he's been in so many movies. He, he, it was his time. I think the great. bigger shock was the fact that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis did not win the Oscar. Right. All right. There you go. Yeah, he's, uh, he's
1: tremendous. Tremendous. Right.
0: So to recap, Michael's going to go see more of the Oscar movies that are out there. I still need to see Black Panther because I hear that's spectacular. So I want to go see it. I'll probably go see that. If we're snowed in, maybe I'll go see it in Minnesota somewhere. Which sounds like we might be. There's a good possibility. And Pat's and Gino's, we went there for you, so you don't have to go. Yeah, just go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's just far away if you're staying in the city. It's a further drive than you think of.
1: Really, you could just go to any restaurant, probably in Raleigh, and get a better cheesesteak.
0: Yeah, something. Or maybe, at least maybe something. Not, maybe something. not
1: any restaurant, but you can find a restaurant yeah. that serves a
0: better cheesesteak. Yeah, you can. I'm just saying. And But if you want an authentic Philly cheesesteak, if yeah. you're in Philly, go to Jim's. Unsolicited. Not on their payroll or And anything. don't
1: go to Gino's Gear and buy any gear
0: because that's shady. <laughs> hey, not for <laughs> nothing. I'm going to save you right now. Let's just say goodbye after that. Yeah. <laughs> Gino's going to come after us. No, no, no. Don't throw me in this one.
1: Gino, I'm sorry. Your steaks were phenomenal.
0: I'll buy a shirt next time in there. There you go. Just buy another cheesesteak if we're ever down that way. I know. Sorry. Had them done. uh, My wife was a little upset. She goes, really? She goes, because I've always wanted to go. And I'm like, yeah, you don't need to go. She goes, okay, we'll just go to gyms. (laughs) So there you have it. Yeah. Next time we'll do gyms. There you go. That'll do it for us uh, for this edition. Wow. Somehow we got to this far on the podcast, Michael Smith.
1: Hopefully the listeners have gotten this far.
0: Yeah, we got to hurry up because we got a plane to catch. We do. All right, Uh, for the webs, Michael Smith and TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week on the Canes Cast. Bye bye. Thank you.